Today's scripture reading is 2 Samuel chapter 9. David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? the king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lodiba. So King David had him brought from Lodiba, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Nisha. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. As we enter again into the book of Samuel this morning, our prayer is that we would know you more and that you would shape and fashion us in the likeness of Christ. Amen. The key to this chapter, I would suggest, lies in two words in verse 3. God's kindness. Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? The passage shows us God's kindness, what God's kindness is like. R.T. Kendall, in his wonderful book on the life of David, 
says the story of David's kindness to Mephibosheth is possibly the most amazing and accurate illustration of God's grace to sinful humanity in the Bible. As the account begins, uh, David's kingdom is established. He has united the tribes of Israel and the tribe of Judah. His enemies have been defeated. The borders of his kingdom are secure. His capital has been established in Jerusalem. He's placed the Ark of the Covenant, that uh, symbol of the presence of God at the heart of the nation. There's no more left to do. No more obstacles to his rule to overcome. Now we get to see what kind of king David is going to be. What will his reign be like? What will he choose to do when he doesn't have to do anything? And the answer is that he asks a question. Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? The first way that David demonstrates God's kindness is that, like God, he is looking for someone to bless. He doesn't wait. He goes looking. Jesus said, The Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Mephibosheth had no idea that there was anyone out there looking for him to bless him. And the same, of course, is true of us. Most people have no idea that God is seeking them, even before they seek him. David's question is broad. Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul? Now, in one way, this is uh, the question that we would expect of a new king who's replaced the family line of another king. But it usually means, are there any survivors of the coup? And if there are, they need to be found in order to eliminate the threat that they pose to the new king's rule. Legitimate heirs of the old king have to be done away with so they don't provide a focus for opposition. But just like God, David is not threatened by others, even those who might seek to take his throne. His intent is to show kindness even to potential enemies. And just as with the Lord, for David, this showing of kindness was something that he'd promised. Back in 1 Samuel chapter 20, David and King Saul's son Jonathan had promised this very thing to one another. When Saul first began to try to take David's life. All those years ago, as they swore friendship with one another, Jonathan had asked David, show me unfailing kindness like the Lord's kindness as long as I live so that I may not be killed and do not ever cut off your kindness from my family, not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. Now that David's enemies have been defeated, this promise to Jonathan is the first thing that he thinks of. But he's much more gracious than his promise to Jonathan required. He doesn't simply seek to bless Jonathan's descendants, but anyone of all of the family of Saul, even though Saul spent all those years seeking to kill him. And why? Why does he do this? 
for Jonathan's sake, for the sake of his love for Jonathan. And in this, again, David shows us what God's kindness is like. God looks for those who have offended him most, and he does so because of his love for Jesus. It's a considerable search to find members of Saul's family. No one at David's court can give him an answer. Eventually, a, a former member of Saul's court is found, Ziba. He's described as a servant, but he must have held a high rank because we find in verse 10 that he has a large household of his own, 15 sons and 20 servants. Now, think about this from Ziba's point of view just for a moment. Ziba must have assumed that his days were numbered when he got the call to appear before David, that it was time for a reckoning. But David tells him instead of his search to show kindness to the family of Saul. So Ziba tells him of a grandson of Saul, in fact, a son of Jonathan, who is still alive, Mephibosheth. Incidentally, this reveals that Mephibosheth is Saul's direct heir. Had Saul not forfeited his throne, Mephibosheth would have been king after his father Jonathan's death. And that's important because in this, Mephibosheth presents a picture of all of us, all humanity. When we read the early chapters of the book of Genesis, we too read about how our ancestors forfeited the leadership God had given them over the world he created. The Bible says we lost our rightful place of authority over creation. Ziba tells David only two things about Mephibosheth, that he is Jonathan's son and that he is lame in both feet. But if we were really alert, we would have known that already because back in chapter 4, we were told how it happened. Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, that is, the news of their deaths. His nurse picked him up and fled, but as she hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was only five years old when his father and grandfather died, and many years have passed because verse 12 tells us that Mephibosheth now has a young son of his own called Micah. All these years, this crippled child, dropped during the rush to escape the palace, has been in hiding in the house of Machir in Lodabar, living a secret life. And this too, I want to suggest, is a picture of us before the kindness of God reached us, crippled by our own sin and, and the sins that others have done to us, living a life far from that which God intended for us, trying to live a life off the king's radar for fear of what might happen to us if we're noticed. But then the fateful day comes and Mephibosheth is discovered. And the passage says King David, notice that. The writer of Samuel generally refers to him as David or the king. But here he is, King David. King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. 
We're supposed to see the powerlessness of Mephibosheth at the hands of David, which highlights the extraordinary grace when he has shown such unexpected kindness. David begins with the very words the Lord uses so often in Scripture, do not be afraid. The words that the angel speaks to Mary before he tells her that she'll have a son. The words that Jesus speaks to the disciples the first time they meet him together after he's raised from the dead. The words the Lord speaks to all of us when we encounter him that first time and we recognize who he really is. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Again, David's words there demonstrate the, the same kindness as God. It would have been enough for him to have assured Mephibosheth that his life was not in danger that he need not live in hiding any longer, that he need not live in poverty under someone else's roof anymore. But David does far more than this. He offers Mephibosheth all of Saul's land, which of course must have been very considerable since Saul had been king. And he gives him a place at court, a place at his own table. And of course, this is exactly what God offers you and I. He gives back to us all that was forfeited by our ancestors when humanity turned away from God, rejecting the rights and responsibilities and the gifts that God had given us. And time and again, Jesus tells us that the kingdom of God will be what? A banqueting table. We who have no right to come are invited by God to his table to eat with him. Mephibosheth replies to this extraordinary grace with a heartbreaking self-assessment. What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? In one sense, of course, Mephibosheth is right. He has nothing to offer David. But David loves him for the sake of Jonathan. And you may feel like Mephibosheth that you have nothing to offer God, that you're not worthy of his notice. But you see, that's exactly the kind of person the Bible tells us that God is looking for. It's those who know they need him, those who know they've nothing to offer him in return, those who have no expectation of receiving his blessings. They are exactly the ones the Lord is seeking. God says in Isaiah chapter 65, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. Mephibosheth could do nothing in return for David. But in this, David shows us what God's kindness is like. Jesus said, when you give a lunch or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. 
Perhaps you feel you are at the bottom of society and no one is interested in you. Perhaps you feel inferior because you've been poorly educated or been a repeated victim of racial prejudice. Perhaps you have financial or emotional difficulties or problems related to drink or drugs or sex. And you say, I'm no use to anyone. God could not want a person like me. You are wrong. You are just the kind of person Jesus came to seek. Jesus' most famous story is of a son who demands his inheritance from his father before his father's died. In effect, he's saying, I wish you were dead. And the father gives him what he asks for, and the son leaves, spending it all on self-indulgent living until there's nothing left, and he's reduced to living in a pigsty. He feels he's worthless. But he has at least the sense to realize that he was foolish ever to leave his father. So he returns, and as he goes, he repeats to himself how worthless he is. But Jesus says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Still, the son begins his unworthiness speech. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. It doesn't matter how unworthy you feel you are. What matters is that God loves and longs and seeks for you. The Apostle Paul says to the Christians in Corinth, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not. God's kindness is for you. But it's not for you alone. The blessings of God's kindness overflow from us to others. Mephibosheth's story continues in verse 9. Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Because David wanted to bless Jonathan, Mephibosheth was blessed. And because Mephibosheth was blessed, Ziba was blessed. And because Ziba was blessed, Ziba's 15 sons were blessed. And because Ziba's family was blessed, Ziba's 20 servants were blessed. 
This is how the kindness of God works. And Paul, again, writing to the church in Corinth, says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. God's kindness in our lives overflows into the lives of others. It's not enough for God that we, who have no claim on his goodness, receive it abundantly. God also wants to bless others who've not even thought about him, and he wants to bless them through us. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. But this is not the last that we hear of Mephibosheth. He appears in David's story one more time. And at first, it appears that things have not turned out well, that David's kindness perhaps was misplaced. Some years after Mephibosheth comes to court, David is deposed by his son Absalom, removed from the throne, and he's forced to flee from Jerusalem. And as he is fleeing, 2 Samuel chapter 16 tells us, when David had gone a short distance, there was Ziba, the steward of Mephibosheth, waiting to meet him. He had a string of donkeys saddled and loaded with 200 loaves of bread, 100 cakes of raisins, 100 cakes of figs, and a skin of wine. The king asked Ziba, why have you brought these? Ziba answered, the donkeys are for the king's household to ride on. The bread and fruit are for the men to eat, and the wine is to refresh those who become exhausted in the wilderness. The king then asked, where is your master's grandson? Ziba said to him, he is staying in Jerusalem because he thinks today the Israelites will restore me to my grandfather's kingdom. And the king said to Ziba, all that belonged to Mephibosheth is now yours. I humbly bow, Ziba said. May I find favor, favor in your eyes, my lord the king. Well, it's some time before David can defeat Absalom and regain his throne. But when he eventually does so, he's able to return to Jerusalem. And on David's return to Jerusalem, people go out to greet him. And one greeting in particular recorded in 2 Samuel chapter 19, puts a different complexion on Ziba's account. Chapter 19, verse 24, Mephibosheth, Saul's grandson, went down to meet the king. He had not taken care of his feet or trimmed his mustache or washed his clothes from the day the king left until the day he returned safely. When he came from Jerusalem to meet the king, the king asked him, why didn't you go with me, Mephibosheth? He said, My lord the king, since I, your servant, am lame, I said, I'll have my donkey saddled and will ride on it so I can go with the king. But Ziba, my servant, betrayed me, and he has slandered your servant to my lord the king. My lord the king is like an angel of God, so do whatever you wish. All my grandfather's descendants deserved nothing but death from my lord the king, but you gave your servant a place among those who eat at your table. So what right do I have to make any more appeals to the king? The king said to him, Why say more? I order you and Ziba to divide the land. 
Mephibosheth said to the king, let him take everything, now that my lord the king has returned home safely. Which story do you think is true? David is not sure. After the chaos of the preceding weeks in his life, his discernment has left him. He cannot make a decision, so he returns half the lands he'd confiscated from Mephibosheth. But I don't think it's so hard to tell. Significantly, we're told that Mephibosheth had let his hair grow wild, his nails grow long. Not something that he could, could quickly fake on news of David's return. And equally, those are hardly the actions of someone preparing to be put on the throne, as Ziba had suggested. More convincing again are Mephibosheth's words. Let him take everything, now that my lord the king has returned home safely. What we have here is the response of one who's been changed by the kindness he's received into one who gives the same unmerited favor himself. Even though he's been slandered by Ziba, his joy at being with the king again outweighs the value of any material possessions. Even though these lands represent his independence, Mephibosheth gives them away without a second thought to the one who betrayed him. But I think most striking of all, is his attitude to David. My Lord the King is like an angel, a messenger of God, so do whatever you wish. David's kindness succeeded. He showed Mephibosheth kindness like that of God. So much so that Mephibosheth sees God's character in David and says, do whatever you wish. All my grandfather's descendants deserved nothing but death from my lord the king. But you gave your servant a place among those who eat at your table. So what right do I have to make any more appeals to the king? This is what happens to us when we receive the unmerited favor of God in our lives. We recognize that we deserve nothing from God apart from the just punishment for our sin. But instead of that, we've received an invitation to eat with him at his table. And when we receive this kindness, not once, but repeated to us every day like Mephibosheth's daily meals at David's table, when we receive this kindness, it begins to change us until we too become people who seek others to whom we can show God's kindness for Jesus' sake. God's kindness, first shown to us, becomes something we are given in abundance so that we can freely give it to others. Will you pray with me? Many of you have received the kindness of God, some over the course of many years. The word of God challenges you this morning as you have received the undeserved favor of God freely and abundantly. Will you not also show the same undeserved favor to others?
Will you seek others to whom you can show God's kindness for Jesus' sake? Uh, For others, you've yet to fully embrace the grace of God. Perhaps you feel unworthy of his notice. Perhaps you struggle with all sorts of issues in your life and you feel if only you could sort those out, then you'd be presentable to God. Well, you are wrong. Your Father in heaven is seeking you. He's looking down the road for a first glimpse of you turning back toward him. And if you'll let him, he will run to you and throw his arms around you, just as you are, and say to you, this child of mine was dead and is alive again. They were lost and are found. It doesn't matter how unworthy you feel you are. God loves and longs and is seeking for you even now. How will you respond to his invitation to eat from his table? Let me invite you to take just a few moments now in quiet to make your response to the Lord in prayer. You've been listening to the First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more sermons and information about our church's services and programs, please visit firstbc.org.